0: Hello and welcome to Ruta Cosmic Wisdom.
1: I'm Amy and I'm Alexis. We chat about astrology, archetypes and spirituality, exploring how these and more can be woven into the day-to-day energy of life. So we'd like to invite you to settle into
0: your body and join us. Hello, and welcome to Rooted Cosmic Wisdom. I am Amy. I am here with my co-host, Alexis, and the really magical, amazing, passionate Julie Kearns. Um, Julie and I met a couple months ago when she, like everything just aligned as the stars do, and she came to help deliver and remove my refrigerator. (laughs) And it just ended up with her and I in my kitchen, just jabbering away. Like there were so many points of connection. And then we're in my office digging through my books. And I was like, oh my goodness, you are magic. So, welcome, Julie. A little bit about Julie. She is the founder of Shop Junket, she's a mama, she's a systems thinker, granularity expert developer of climate competency-based, data-driven social models and business processes, fierce proponent of mental health, developing social maturity, and showing up with empathy and radical accountability. She's also silly. So welcome, Julie.
2: Thank you. It's great to be here. I'm excited to chat today.
0: Wonderful. So tell us a little bit about Shop Junket and and. Uh, and your journey to birthing Shop Junket. Oh, goodness.
2: All right. So <clears throat> Shop Junket is the online um, online iteration of um, the company, which is the, it's called Junket Tossed and Found. Um And Jumpkit was born out of, um, loss and grief and the need to find something that would sustain myself as a, as a newly single parent with an infant daughter, uh, back in 2009. Um, and it was in going through a simultaneous divorce diet and nursing a little one without eating that led me to lose 50 pounds. Wasn't really expecting that. And I needed office wear for, um, office for my, um, to to wear to work. And that led me to the Goodwill Outlet, which immersed me in a waste stream that after spending some time there, as I continued to um, heal and need slightly larger than little girl size 12 clothes, I couldn't unsee that waste stream. Um, And in that became uh, like a commitment to my daughter who deserved to see a mom who was resilient and strong and able to, able to adapt. Right. Um, mm-hmm. and, um, and as I, as I started to sell my clothing at consignment to make the stuff that I was outgrowing in both directions, um, I realized there was a business model there. And I, I remember at the time saying, I'm going to have to work hard. Like I'm going to work really hard. I mean, I, I had a, uh, middle management corporate job, you know, making good money, but you know what, I'm going to go dig in the waste stream for a while and see what I can cull. And see what we can do for we can do for um, basically making it easier to access the most sustainable goods possible. Um, I had always wanted to be my own um, my own boss, right? And so, out of like the loss of a dream, came this new dream, and um, and a commitment to leaving the world at least as good as um, my daughter came into it. I felt like that was necessary, and so um, that's that is where it started. Um, where we're at now, it came out of a kind of an aha moment I had back in 2011, which is what wh- what's the purpose in this? Because there was a point where I found myself in the basement, just like shuffling through a bunch of secondhand clothes. And I was self-employed, but it was really isolating. So um, I found purpose in the idea that if I can develop scalable systems around this, if I can make this big enough um, and broad enough for more of us to have an easier time not creating waste, that's that's a, something I can get behind, even if it means I'm sitting in my basement for a while. So it's that, um, it's that vision or the goal or the higher purpose that has um, allowed me to navigate a lot of challenge, right? In the last decade, the business evolves a lot. We've been retail, we've been online, I teach classes, you know, all of the things. Um, and COVID brought a couple more pivots. So, um, but it's you know the vision is there, and I'm really excited about where we're at in the zeitgeist because people are finally starting to pay attention to um, to the sorts of shifts that we need to make in order to create um, a world that works for for more of us and um, and connection and all of all of the healing that goes with that process. So,
1: how's that? Fabulous. Mm. Thanks. So good. And I'm wondering what we each can do, um, like all the listeners, myself, knowing that, you know, thinking about, I have some family members who have just so much stuff and I donate a lot to Goodwill. I love, you know, donating, cause at least I feel like it's, you know, better than throwing it away. Yeah. Um, but where can we all start? Cause everyone has stuff. Right. <laughs> Oh my gosh and do we ever um
2: and without getting into the historical context of that boomers having accrued more than anyone prior to them right and um and having a you know having a a system that tells us we should buy more right and we need more and a system that has not created the um the equal um, systems on the back end to have it not be waste, right? We don't have, that doesn't really exist. And when we send things to goodwill, we hope that it's going in the right place, right? And it's better than throwing it away in most cases. Um, but um, I guess the thing that that I, um, my like my vision around this is that these things are all embodied energy and matter. Think about that. The energy that went into, whether it's a cotton, hanky or doily that someone's grandma made and invested time and care in, whether it's um, a manufactured item that is functional and can continue to exist, if we think about it in terms of the energy that went into it and the existing matter and that manifestation of that matter, there's value there, right? Um, Getting that to the right place, if we don't need it, becomes the work, right? and as I look at where we're at, as climate, you know, as like as we're dealing with climate, there's a kind of a heart shift of saying, "Hey, I recognize the value of this. I am a steward of this thing." And without, um, without hitting myself over the head or being too hard on myself for the, um, for the circumstances that led me to this moment where I'm overwhelmed by stuff, right? I'm gonna do my best to help it get to its next place, right? It's about this, there's this caretaking. Um, and then on the front end, to reduce the madness of trying to manage that, right? Because that's a lot to do for paper clips and a t-shirt, and whatever, right? We can think about, do I really want on the front end, before something comes into my life, do I really want to be responsible for the life cycle of that thing? Do I want to try and figure out later what's going to happen with that thing, right? It allows us to Align those upfront choices, consumer choices, etc., with the how am I going to feel about this later? Is it going to become so much crap? Hey, can I, you know, can I get the thing that I need without getting a hundred of them? Sometimes it's not possible, right? I mean, think about like just the way that the supply chain is set up to overwhelm us. We do we really want to manage those things? So, um, so that's a that's not directly answering your question around where does it all go, but it's mindset, right? Um, and um, I, you know, during the time that I ran the shop, so I had about six years of um, a secondhand shop, um, and it was all about creativity and reuse and um, and um, and and community, connecting people. And so many people were going through what what so many of us are going through, right? Especially our parents' generation, right? We got 10,000 boomers a day turning 65 in this country, and that number doesn't stop until the end of this decade, right? It doesn't start to reduce, and Sixty-five isn't isn't aging out. Sixty-five is retirement. So if we think of this huge cohort of humans who have gathered so much into their homes and are needing to let it go, um, we can see not only what a what a disorganized, crazy hassle that is. And I'm not sure I should have used the word crazy. I prefer not to. But we can see how like we can see what a cluster that is in everybody, like everybody's garage, everybody's attic, everybody's um, closets, and and fourth bedrooms and cabins and, right, and, and trunks, it all is this, this clutter, right? Um, And, and um, how do we take that and move that through a system in a way that allows it to become useful to others? So that's where my, that's where my systems thinking brain is, is, hey, um, so more tactically, um, there are a couple of things that I've come around to, which is one, becoming ruthlessly organized, because if you can't find it, it doesn't exist right if you can't find it it's not um it's not accessible to you so and if you can't find it well you're gonna go buy more right and in our in our paradigm that's the solution um so um you know aggregating things in like items so that they can be useful to someone else is really good so the paper clip on the ground the paper clip in the corner of the office right those aren't useful one by one. But if we take responsibility for, hey, there's energy and matter there and, and put them where they belong, that caretaking allows them to be useful to someone else. If someone walked into your house, would they be able to find what they need, right? And would you be able to find it? And there's that is some, um, that organizing principle is something I've done some consulting and coaching with um, elders, boomers about, right? It's like, if you're wanting to downsize, you need to get your things organized in such a way that if, you know, if you, like, if you run off with the circus that your that your family can can do something other than hire a dumpster mm. and let it all go, right? So, um, so really, for me, what it comes down to is redefining our relationship with stuff and choosing to take full ownership and responsibility of caring for it. And it's that care for that, getting it to the right places, allowing it to be. Useful finding that place where it can be useful. Buy Nothing groups are amazing. I don't know if you guys are involved in those mm-hmm. locally at all. Yeah I see it nodding heads there. Um, Alexis, are you familiar? Okay, so um, buy not. There's an app called the Buy Nothing app. Um, the app itself is new. They've been they've had a lot of Facebook groups. I think over five thousand Facebook groups, um, globally at this point. But it's a it's a gifting economy where it's hyper local and you. Um, you can offer things to your neighbors and you can ask for things from your neighbors, but there is no transaction. It's not about exchange. Well, there's a transaction, but it's not about exchange and it's not about dollars. It's about creating community with these things. And there's something really powerful about being able to turn the things that you don't want into relationship. And yeah, so, that's I, beautiful, right. And so that's one good way to move them along in ways that, you know, it'll be appreciated. And that feels good too okay, I can, I, I could go on day all day and you don't need me to do that. So, um, <laughs> no,
0: you're, you're here, to, you're here to go on all day. Um, I I'm going to circle us back and, um, I love the buy nothing groups. I know I am a follower of them on Facebook and mm-hmm. I love watching, watching the exchange that goes on and the dance right. of, I have this thing who wants it. I'll draw a name. Um, I'm looking for this thing and then the gratitude posts that happen that really highlight the connection of it. Um, and I just, I want to circle us and, and it may be the same vortex we're working on is, can you talk to us more about defining and explaining for our listeners, um, a concrete explanation of the waste stream? Mm. Um, and our, our responsibility, the life cycle of matter that creates the waste stream. Absolutely. Um,
2: I understanding the system, the, the, the waste stream. What's, what's fascinating is if you dig back to the depression era, so that's three generations ago, right? Our grandparents our great grandparents. There wasn't such a thing as waste didn't exist. You, you know, especially during the depression when things were difficult, but you hung on to that piece of, you know, paper wrapped wrapped wire, right? We call it Mm -hmm. a twist tie, right? You hung on to that because you could use it for something else, right? Um, You could tie, you know, um, bits of, bits of fabric had value, right? So I don't know if you can see this. I, um, so I am wearing a sweater that's been mended by, my friend Julia, and she goes by Happify Design on Twitter and Instagram. Um, but these piece, bits and pieces of old things became embellishment on new things, right? And or on on other old things, I guess we could say. But it, but um, there was this iterative process where um, where the things that we owned had lives of their own, and they evolved as we evolved, right? So um, back to the waste stream. If you think through what happened, uh, you know, we won World War II, we entered, you know, we entered as a nation, we entered this time of great prosperity, right? And people who had been sucking in their guts and perhaps, you know, eating watered down ketchup for lunch for, you know, years in some cases. Those were the sorts of experiences that people were having then and, and some experiences that some are having now, right? We've got this wealth inequality um, going on that's pretty profound. Um, But, but there came this drive to hey, you know what? We've got all of this. We've got the strong middle class. We've got, you know, people have things. We should get them to buy things, right? And that revolution of commerce really kicked up. And and so, you know, you want a house in the suburbs. You don't need the tenement or the two building or two two bedroom thing for a family of nine. House in the suburbs. You need a car. You need to drive right? All of, and the, and the flight. And, and what's fascinating is that so much of that was driven around fear was, was about fear, Mm -hmm. but also, you know, how can we, you know, but also how can we have people spending those dollars in ways that come back to pockets. And so, but because there was so much abundance, well, of course you just throw it away here. Here's the thing it's wrapped in this way. It's, you know, why do you? Why do you need to wash it, right? So and commerce, um, right? And business began creating problems for their products to solve, and right? And in two generations, we have largely forgotten how to take care of things, how to repair things, right? We are as as we as, and we have seen. Um, And as the global economy has, you know, we've had things go and outsource. And so when they come back, they have to be packaged because they're going to be on trucks and they're going to, right? So we aren't close to our foods. We aren't close to the people who make the things that we use. And in new manufacturing, if the idea is churn, 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 make, 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 sell, 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 and we're in a consumer economy, which is really what this is about, right? In in theory, we're supposed to consume a lot and be good consumers, right? Historically, we're seeing that that has some side effects. That um, that an economy that ignores the social aspects and human aspects of um, of the system gets to the sorts of experiences that some of us are having on this planet right now, right? And where we've got some things we need to deal with. But so we grew over three generations. We've grown into this entity where plastic islands in the in the um, ocean right we've got we've got entire ecosystems starting to develop on the waste that is cluttered and not organized and gathering places and true we've got a lot of people and we've got a lot of people's needs to meet and there are certain ways that we need to do that but it's not this right it is not this it is not this and um and so working our way back out of that and choosing to say no to the things that do not serve us Right, up front before it gets to us and finding ways to communicate about that so that the things that come into our lives in ways other than us choosing to purchase them can be discussed within a within a a context of shared power, right? Gifts or favors or the things that people say, here, this is for you because it's helpful. It's like, well, let's reconsider that. Is a gift really a hallmark thing? Is it really about, oh my gosh, we got to buy the thing because they might and what are they gonna think of us if we don't have a good enough gift? Is that really what this is about? Or should we be looking at does that relationship, do I know them well enough to connect with them with this thing in an intimate, personal, thoughtful way? And if not, what business do I have adding more responsibility to the world? Mm. Right? That's a major paradigm shift. Right. And it's, it's, and if I don't know and if I care, I'm going to ask. Mm-hmm.
0: Right. So does that. Yeah. I, No, that's beautiful because it was, that was a conversation I was having with a lot of the individual women in my women's circle for the month of December, as we approached the gift giving time Mm -hmm. of how stressful it was feeling this, this collective idea that, well, we have to have a gift for everybody, whether we can afford it or not, whether it's meaningful or not. Whether all of these things that so many women I know are really drilling down into and working on this energy and matter piece that you speak of, and is it aligned that we're just giving stuff? Mm -hmm. And I guess that was going to be my next question. As a mom Mm -hmm. of a child, Mm what, what do the holidays look like at your house? Like mm. How, how is this, how is your passion and your drive pushing mm. up against, mm-hmm. I believe your daughter is an adolescent, I think. Yes, in the
2: yes, yes, yes. I have a teenager in the house. So yeah. So, yeah.
0: How does yeah. this push against her enculturation mm-hmm. from the collective versus her family enculturation? Right. Well,
2: I, I love the question and um, and it and it gets even more interesting because she has two households and yeah. one is very different from the other. Right. So she she gets the full on the full Christmas treatment with, you know, everything she wants and more um, at her other house. In fact, I am at a point with that dynamic also recognizing that 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 date is just a date it's, it's, it's December 24th, December 25th in my case, right? Those are days. And, um, and I don't need like, so there, there's a lot of, there's a lot of wiggle room for just saying, hey, go have that experience at, you know, at your other house, and mm-hmm. we will do things in our way at our house. And I've been, um, you know, it's changed a lot over the years. When she was younger, and believed in Santa, and that was important at her other household, that that continues. So we did do some things, um, but um, what I have tried to do is make it different in other ways. And COVID has made it more difficult. But the year she was eight, we took the train to New York City for Christmas, and we sang Christmas songs on the like on the train as we passed through these little tiny towns along the Great Lakes, and there were lights on the houses, I just like, that's one of the best memories I ever have, right? And so it wasn't a ton of gifts, there was a stocking, and there were treasures in the stocking, right? But that was enough. And it was about the experience and that connection, right? Mm -hmm. Um, More recently, and COVID has made it a little trickier, and she's getting older, we talk about, you know, what is it about gifts that are special to you? Right. And what is it about, um, this year was really neat. She asked me, she really wanted to do advent calendars. And so like, she likes, she likes opening the things. Right. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay, so, so how can we do that? And she's like, well, like, She knows her mom sells secondhand stuff and that her mom sells a lot of small creative secondhand stuff and that her mom has a lot of small bits and pieces tucked around the house. And so she's like, well, you can just find me some, some things and like, just like, you know, she's like, can you just like, can you sew me an advent calendar and put things in pockets? And I was just like, that we can do. And so, right. And what was fascinating about it was one being really clear about what it is that she was needing to have met And it was not like there was the novelty of it. Right. Mm -hmm. It didn't need to be anything new. It just needed to be a, Hey, this, this, you know, there's a little bit of a dopamine hit of discovery. Right. Right. That's what drives us to shop too. Right. It's the dopamine hit. It's that acquisition. It's that, that. So, um, so, so we talked about that. And so what was funny, it was like, I just, I tucked in there a bunch of things that I sell um, like, you know, and that that my customers really like that she could be using freely in the house at any point. But she got her own copy, you know, she got her own, you know, dip pen and some special nibs and some paper. I mean, it's all over the house, but it was hers, and she was really excited about that. So, so that's that's the sort of, you know, I, I'm really big about, you know, gifts don't necessarily happen on those days, but I might surprise you with something really big on a random Tuesday because I found it. It spoke to me. I knew you would love it. And it was fun to see the look on your face, right? Surprise and delight, but also care and connection. And so, right? So that's really how I try and do it. Um, and how we seem to be working through that dissonance as well, right? Mm-hmm. So,
1: um,
2: yeah.
1: I love that. Oh. Yeah, there's so many pieces of that too, like me um events and things can be like the time together right like you're saying mm-hmm. like riding into the city on the train like those type of things I find to be the best gifts like I love to give those because right like you get to enjoy it there's not a lot of waste because it's about the event and the thing that you're doing right and rather than a gift that you know someone may or may not want like right, right? are they going to be giving it away the next year right um, Regifting gifting yeah. is a thing right <laughs> like, huge Re-thing. thing so, yeah so yeah so many pieces to think about too as you know and as things come up for birthdays and it because this is a perfect time of year right like we're just coming out of christmas yep um, and for those people who have received gifts that maybe they're mm-hmm. just like oh what do i do with this right right, yeah. right? um yeah, and then now, yes
2: mm-hmm no it's I I just there's so much embedded guilt and conditioning social conditioning that we get to let go we can just mm-hmm. let that go and we can have conversations with the people in our world about it right Hey this is what I'm thinking hey you know but maybe not do it right as you're approaching right it's kind of like if somebody's getting married you don't want to say hey let's you know let's talk about how we should do weddings differently if they're planning theirs right so right so that like the um <clears throat> but I think just having those conversations in, um, in casual settings and as opportunities present and as you're sitting down on a picnic blanket or connecting for coffee, right? How do we explore this? What do we value? you ask, Also ask questions about what it is that they want to be doing with their lives or what they want to accomplish. Because when you know where they're going, it's a really good way to plug in, right? Mm-hmm meeting, need meeting isn't about dollars and it isn't about stuff, right? You might be surprised at, at what a gift looks like when you connect and really take the time, right? So, yeah. yeah.
1: And even I think when you open that invitation, like I just, I know I have some people in my family who are like, okay. if you need anything, come over, like come over. And then it's exciting for me because I was like, ooh, I get to discover something new. Yeah. Right? Yep. And it's like this, but the conver- it wouldn't happen if the conversation didn't start of like, hey, this open invitation with people you know or having even just starting it with like a couple of friends, like mm-hmm. I mean that app also the buy nothing app is, is mm-hmm. one version of it right mm-hmm. and so you starting the conversation within your family within friends um you know like i was i was making candles and i had some amazing people in my life just be like oh i have shipping materials and i have you know yep. instead of going out and buying which Anyway, I was trying to buy like the, you know, eco-friendly, like the recycled stuff anyway, right. but I was like, well, how perfect is that? And I, cause I'm, sh- I'm realizing I'm shipping out a lot of stuff and it's taking mm-hmm. a lot of, you know, to keep a candle nice and, right. you know, nice and packed. Yep. And so opening that conversation of like, Hey, does anyone have shipping stuff that I can You've recycle? got it. Yep. Right. I think it starts with the conversation with like, share this podcast, get it started. Right. Exactly. Thank you. Well, yeah. Well, and that's,
2: I mean, so that's my junkets entire business model is secondhand everything. Mm -hmm. So it's secondhand product. It's secondhand. I actually have candle making supplies on the, on the site, all secondhand sourced, right? Probably not good for wholesale pricing, but as far as if somebody wants to try it at home and get started, you know here's a starter see if you like it and then go and do the thing you know if you like it then then start gathering the stuff on your own wherever you can find it buy nothing groups etc right um the packaging is all secondhand and when i started doing you know like i've i've upped the ante as i've gone and as i've gotten better right but when i um when i started i was using you know like trying to find 100 percent recycled poly mailers. And that was back in 2010, 2011, right? So, and, and there really weren't very many options, but as I understood it, in order to make something happen at scale, I needed that. I, you know, I needed the efficiency of that. And so it's, it's the absence, the gap of that efficiency where like, if you're, if if you are making ends meet with your candles, if that's a business that's supporting your family, having to run around and scavenge those things or ask people to get them or to drive and go get them that takes away from the business that you're running, right? So how can we create the systems that make that easier and make the right choices easier and help create that? So, and I do think that those are social, inherently social systems and buy nothing is an example of something that's happening in that way. Um, But um, we have been so conditioned to solve our problems by making purchases and that's what we're unlearning right now, right? So what do I need? Oh, I think I need this thing on Amazon. Wait a second, what problem am I trying to solve? Is there another way to get at that? What is the real problem? Okay, pause. Is that a real problem? How much of a priority is it, right? Like fighting that Pavlovian response to like go click the buy button um, takes, right? Like it's, mm-hmm. it's really common and it's in our pockets.
1: So it's like, oh, hey, let me just do the <sighs> <laughs> But even just hitting that pause button, I love it. Cause you're right. It is so easy, especially with Amazon and with all of the like, you know, internet. Yeah. I, I hardly go. And I don't really love like shopping, shopping. I've come right. to realize this, like, especially right. now going out and like, uh, right. Oh, right. that at our fingertips mm-hmm. is right there. It's a blessing and a curse because it's so easy. Cool. And I think hitting that pause button and being like, why am I wanting this thing? Like you said, what problem am yeah. I trying to solve here? Yep. That alone I think can shift just the mindset of how
0: right. you're right. thinking.
1: And also that I love that you said earlier, like being a steward for these things. Mm-hmm. Like when you think about it that way, yeah, that really shifts yep. like the relationship to the things you're buying. Yes. I love that too.
2: Oh, thank you. Well, it's about caretaking, right? And mm-hmm. it's a and, and and caretaking in things force you know things and people right it forces us to slow down a little bit right and if we're choosing to be responsible for it we're going to dwell with it for a while unless we got somebody who's like I need that thing and you can just like tuck it outside your door right um so being okay sharing space with these things while we figure out solutions is creative problem solving right there's a there's a way that that like creative problem solving is a skill set we need a lot more of right now, right? We're dealing with some major cultural issues. We are, um, and and so many of them are tied to our stuff, right? Mm-hmm. The fact that it you know the the environmental issues are tied to largely to stuff, right? To shipping the stuff, to making the stuff, to throwing away the stuff, to managing the stuff, right? like if, if we're not making and doing stuff in our work lives, we're certainly dealing with it everywhere else. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think also allowing from that stewardship perspective, it allows us to shift our brains around, around, do I, do I want to be a steward of that thing? Do I want to take responsibility Mm -hmm. for that? Am I, are the trade-offs worth it? And, um, I, um, the carbon competency piece of things has really that's that the granularity that my re- reference book mm-hmm. was having an understanding of how all of these little pieces of energy and matter add up to much bigger things impacts problems etc right or yeah. opportunities so right the waste stream right now is filled with so many things that could be useful but they're disorganized just like closets and bedrooms right right and um and so if we understand that not only is there value in avoiding the emissions of the thing having to get to us, which is actually most of them, you think about the manufacturing emissions, the emissions upstream of something, right? Where like they're mining or growing or what have you, whether it's the cotton that has to, you know, become processed into a t-shirt or the, right? Or the metals or, you know, the things come from somewhere. And there are, most of the emissions of anything that we have in our lives happen before it ever reaches the sales floor, right? Yeah. So um, if we can apply the, if we can apply kind of that um, that mindset of, okay, this is a lot of responsibility. I've, I'm birthing this thing into the world through the demand that I've created by my purchase. Because when I buy that thing, that company is going to make more. That supply chain is so efficient. We need that supply chain on the other end so that we can get things to the places that they belong. Right. Um, one of the companies that I'm that I see emerging in the market that I'm excited about is called Ridwell. Um, and so um, they are. They started in Seattle, and it's a dad and a son. And so I I kind of have an affinity because my my junior shopkeeper and I, you know, like this, you know, the parent child enterprise thing is really fun. Um, but they have launched kind of a, a, a bin delivery pickup system where where they have identified several things that are hard to get rid of, right? Um, bulbs, light bulbs, batteries, right? Um, they have, basically they are doing a delivery routing because there is now enough demand. People want to do the right things. Our, like. And that's that market demand for better solutions for actual problem solving options has really grown quickly in the last two years, especially. So they, um, they drop bins at subscribers homes, and then they pick up those bins every two weeks. And, and there's, or the, 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 I guess it's a, you pull, they, they swap out bags, however it works, but there are bins where you get to put the things in very specific ways, right? You don't throw all your stuff in there. You don't throw all your recycling in there. This bag is for batteries this bag is for light bulbs, right? And when it goes into that system source, it can be useful to others, right? So they in turn take those and they, and in their case, a lot of what they do have involved is recycling, but they also like that, that creates a flow that becomes possible for reuse at scale. Imagine if they were collecting bubble wrap, Alexis, Right, And that became available so that you could hit a button and have the bubble wrap come to you, right? Avoid all of the upstream emissions of that packaging, right? And if it were local, avoid the transit emissions of getting it to you. But honestly, those are so much smaller. As long as you're keeping shipments on the ground, the transit emissions are so much lower than manufacturing emissions that you can... You could ship things back and forth across the US several times before approaching the emissions of the most sustainable manufacturing methodology possible for the same thing, pound for pound. So, right. So now the, the key is keeping it on the ground. I stopped flying in 2017, 2018, one of the two, because I had done the math around this, that granularity math and seen how it all added up. And I'm like, oh, okay. So I'm, you know, I need to, I need to not do this um, for my gut, for my values, right? And that is what led to train trips, right? And, you know, and and different ways of commuting and of slowing down. Slowing down is what the world is asking us to do. COVID gave us an opportunity to do that in some important ways, right? Mm-hmm. Um, slow commerce is important, right? So, what, you know, encouraging, the slow shipping, ground shipping, when you're placing orders, when you're, that's something that you want. Prime shipping is leading us in the wrong direction. It's almost 10 times as high, 10 times higher emissions to put that same pound of freight on a plane as it is to have it go on a truck, right? And trucks, the truck fleets will be electrified soon. And then that, so that gets even cleaner. So the solution is already there, right? Mm -hmm. So um, that's just like, Going back to stewardship, our individual choices and our decision to be stewards of things in in all the ways how they reach us, when they reach us, where they go after they come from us, that that caretaking, um, that stewardship, really starts to help us understand how other you know how like how other things that value, um, and and how and it it creates a framework for decision making and then for engaging others. Um, And these are individual choices, right? But they're collective choices as well. You influence your family when you ask for the things, right? You influence your friends when you share what you're doing on Facebook, right? I mean, influencer culture is as frustrating as it is in some ways because at least for me to watch that happen on social media and the eco-influencers that are like, oh, buy this product, oh, buy that product. Nope. The most sustainable goods possible are the ones that already exist, period even cars, the deal is if you can't reduce your mileage, if you are forced, if you are in a situation where you need to have that car and you are locked into miles for some specific reason, then taking on the emissions of an electric, the upfront emissions of an electric vehicle, absolutely. But our climate does not allow, we do not have the bandwidth, we do not have the emissions for everybody to just swap out their combustible, you know, combustion engine for an electric engine. We need to drive less, right? We need to figure out how to reduce, because the car proper isn't the problem, it's the gasoline, it's the oil, Mm -hmm. right? And it's every mile that we put, every mile adds more burning of dinosaur goop. And it's, that's the piece that, right? That's the piece Mm -hmm. that has us in a pickle right now. So, um, so if we can say, hey, our goal is, you know, this also gets us to, to climate action as humans, because if we can say, hey, you know what, I, Am, I want to live within my allotment of the planet's resources. I'm tired of feeling badly about myself for all of these things that feel outside of my control. So if I know that my allotment is, and what we understand from the IPCC is that three tons of emissions per capita is where we need to be in order to stay on track for what we hope is gonna be you know, 1.5 degrees Celsius, right, like the, in order to on track um, three tons, well, then where can I make shifts to budget for that, right? How can I figure out what, where are my opportunities to reduce my budget and start thinking about emissions and our footprint from a climate standpoint as something that we can solve, right? And some of the easiest ways to do that is to start thinking about things in terms of is it gonna take dinosaur goop, right? Is it gonna involve upfront emissions? Can I avoid those? Um, I don't know if you guys have ever done like a footprint calculator. Are you familiar with, with like the environmental footprint calculations? I see mm-hmm. a nod from Alexis, okay. Yeah. Um, I, I used one from, um, I think it's, um, I can't remember which one it was. It was, um, anyway, that doesn't matter. What matters is in running through it, they asked, there were some questions about you know how many miles, right? how far do you drive? What do you drive? Where do you live? What size is your house? How many people are there? Right. You go through this battery of questions, you know, what do you eat? How often? Um, One of the questions is how often do you buy new product? Right. And, and what I like about the tool is that I, I, you, you know, you use it to go through and you see where your results are, but then you could go back through that tool and start playing with the, playing with the, um, the levers. Hey, what would happen if I made this shift? What does that look like at the end? Hey, what would it, what would it look like if I, you know, if I switched, you know, and rode my bike or if I moved closer to my job or if I, you know, like cut my meat back to one day a week, what if I made these shifts, what does that impact look like? Right. And the biggest shocker for me starting out at, I think when I ran, I ran it the first time it's what just as a nominal value, the calculator said I would need four and a half planets if everybody on this planet lived like I did. Right. And that's not an uncommon number in America for us to be consuming at that rate. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Empathy tells us that's probably not fair, equitable, kind or okay. Right. So um, so if we bear personal responsibility for owning our piece of solving this. Right. Um, When I went back through and played with the how often do I buy new things and adjusted myself from average consumer. To. I don't buy new things, right? And it doesn't mean I don't buy things. It means that I'm just not participating in the 90 plus percent of this piece of it. I'm finding my things from my neighbors, right? If I switch that, that alone brought me down by a full planet's worth of resources, right? It's an easy shift. It does not involve sacrifice. It, there are opportunities for community. There are opportunities for wealth building there are opportunities for green jobs. All of that becomes possible if we can become stewards and engage each other as stewards wanting to make helpful shifts, right? Mm-hmm. So, and that engagement of each other is a big piece of this too. Let's go back, can we go back to the gifts, the idea of oh, gifts, right? Totally, yeah. So, um, so um, Amy, I know that you've got a child. I'm mm-hmm. guessing that your child received gifts that you would prefer that they not receive over a number of years, maybe not.
0: Um, yes, he has okay. received a lot of stuff that mm-hmm. I was, I'm, you know, there's a big, big, like, WTF with me. Yeah, um. exactly. So um, some of the conversations I've had with other parents,
2: you know, involve a fair amount of frustration, right? Um, because they've asked grandma, grandpa not to buy and bring plastic stuff every time they visit. Right? Right? Um, we know that grandma and grandpa want to connect with the grandkids,
0: mm-hmm.
2: right? Um, but when we see that play out, it's, hey, please don't do that. The thing shows up anyway. Grandma and grandpa are like, yay! The kid's like, yay! Okay, right? I mean, and mm-hmm. you're the one that steps on it at four in the morning. And yeah. that's, like that's the dynamic. And so what that's about if you've asked the grandparent not to do that and they're doing it anyway, that's a that's a dynamic. that's a power dynamic, mm-hmm. yeah. right? That's a power dynamic. And so the opportunity is, hey, mom, dad, can we share power, right? And easier said than done. Some are not able, right? Um, you know, and and the last few years have allowed us to see that in a lot of our families in ways we might not have seen it previously with the mm-hmm. the politics, right, and the way that yeah. that has become so personal. Um, but I, I had a bit of a, like through the, through the shop and through people wanting to be helpful and leaving things at the shop and donating and us becoming overwhelmed and saying, no, can't handle it, can't handle it. Um, and having things still show up without my consent, I began to feel abused, right? As a shop owner, running a secondhand shop, where in theory, I'm the one who like, we repair the stuff and it's for the artists, right? That was, the, that was, what pe- that was where, where people were at, what it came down to for me was that this was about consent Mm -hmm. and about open communication and about win-win, right? If this exchange of goods is not a win for both of us, why are we doing it, right? And if I wanna give you something, I'm gonna ask you if it's useful to you or if there is desire. And I hope that you'll tell me no if it's not, right? Mm -hmm. And so that that is the exchange. And then coming back to goodwill and donations, right? They, they um, it's, it's better than nothing, right? They're taking them, they're selling some of them, but because they aren't honest or transparent about where the things are going and because they aren't willing to turn off the funnel, that they're really obfuscating the problem by allowing us to think that we're doing the right thing by going to goodwill and throwing things at goodwill when we really don't know where things are going afterward. And, and, you know, goodwill is a stand in for any number of, of organizations, but if they're not saying, my God, we're overwhelmed, right. If they're not saying, here's how we can do this differently, or here's what happens, right. Let's, let's be honest. You know what you send us so much stuff that we can't handle it. And, you know, Julie over there is digging through, you know, Gaylord bins of stuff that didn't even make it to the sales floor. Right. That's where my business got started was how much waste was coming out of that, that particular organization. Um, and it's better than nothing. Recycling is better than nothing. But using and valuing the things that already exist, whether that's individually or collectively, is our path forward. And it's climate mitigation, and it is waste reduction, and it is human connection, and, um, and it is um, a shared planet that works for more of us. So.
0: You're so sassy and saucy. I just
2: love this. Um, I'm
0: I'm I'm sassy, yep. <laughs> <laughs> and silly. But yeah, and and it's it is so good because it is a conversation that I, as a parent, had with grandparents a mm-hmm. lot mm-hmm. when my little guy was little because we would get a box of plastic crap mm-hmm. every single minor and major holiday. Correct, and. It drove me absolutely batty because yes, it's super exciting for them to open up the thing and see the thing mm-hmm. and they play with it mm-hmm. for three minutes. Correct. And then it ends up under a bed. It, it right. ends up <laughs> on the floor somewhere and you step on it. Mm-hmm. It ends up the dog chews on it. And, and then you have this piece of cheap plastic crap. Yep. And I, I got frustrated to the point Of actually just being like, stop buying my kid cheap plastic crap. If you want to have a relationship with him, have a relationship with him. Yep. I will help work this out. It doesn't, trying to do this through the energy of stuff. Correct. Is denigrating him and it's denigrating you. Yeah. As a human. Yep. Yep. Because I see right. what is what you're trying to do, and that you maybe don't have the emotional capacity to manage. Let me help you. Right, right. Let me help. Right. right. I, we can do this together. Let's be yep. a team. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes. And, and did, go ahead.
2: Oh, I was just going to say, how did it, did it work? I mean, were they receptive? How did? No,
0: they they just stopped yeah, talking stopped to me. us. Okay.
2: Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah, we're going to talk about more things offline, but
0: yeah, they just (laughs) stopped communicating with us altogether because moving from that place of, I'm just going to shower you with stuff Mm -hmm. to, I'm inviting you to have an actual emotional relationship with us was such a big, huge ask. And it wasn't something that they were ready for. And I take responsibility for not being able to see and hold how not ready they were. Right. And I could have done a better job of issuing more gentle,
2: Mm -hmm. um,
0: empathetic, compassionate Mm -hmm. invitations. Yeah. Um, And then I'm fiery and I have a hard time dialing it back sometimes. (laughs) We're human. You're human. Ah, Stop getting my kid. Plastic shit.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: yep. Yep. Um. And I kind of, I, I just, I want to touch in on. You said at the beginning that this whole thing was birthed from the death of a dream. Yep. And I, I I'm just gonna, I'm gonna reach out into the bigger things that Alexis and I touched into on our 2022 20, forecast. Yeah is that right now we're in the death of, of a dream. And I love that you just organically brought in that from the death of dreams, we birth new life. Mm-hmm. Um, and that feels so valuable right now. We're headed towards our Venus star point, which sets up a sets up a 20 year cycle of really looking at what we value. And you know, you bringing in the word stewardship after we had Carolyn Gronfield on with land stewardship, it just it feels like such a theme of how do we meet and hold right. um, a, a, a better consciousness by slowing down and really taking ownership of what we could be rather than what we always have been correct
2: and that I mean that's the answer to everything right Mm -hmm. and we have experienced collectively so much grief in the last two years so much grief we've lost people relationships have have been stressed in ways that they haven't previously right Um, we see you know it has become very clear where empathy resides and where it does not Mm -hmm. right? The opportunity is to evolve. Our opportunity is to develop communities of care. That's basic psychological adult development. And that is not something that's valued in the American dream because the American dream is let's step on whoever we need to step on to get to the top. So we've been conditioned to have these mm-hmm. adolescent brains where all we want is bigger, better, faster, more. Me, 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 right? Mm-hmm. It's, not, it's not healthy social development. It's not healthy spiritual development. That's not healthy psychological development. It's. It keeps us stuck. And it's that stuckness that has made um, really being able to face what's dying Um, with open eyes, Um, but also sometimes we need to be stuck for a while in order to start to see what comes next, Mm -hmm. right? And also change is hard, right? Change is hard and usually we'll like dwell in like the mess of it until it gets too painful to tolerate, Mm -hmm. right? So it's that finding new dreams, Figuring out what good looks like within new contexts and getting excited about moving in that direction. That's really where I see the value um, and the opportunity for all of us, you know. And we're and as, you know, in this time of change and shifting things up and and you know, Venus is it's Venus in retrograde, correct? Is that what Venus is
0: in retrograde and she's about to make her star point on Saturday, which means she will conjunct the sun Mm -hmm. and the way that Venus moves through the sky, she creates a star in the zodiac. Okay. And these star points are, Alexis, you speak into this more.
1: (laughs) I'm just going to throw the ball at Alexis. Go. Perfect. (laughs) Well, each, each point she begins a new cycle and yeah, there's five signs where she begins a new cycle. And so one of them, we have her beginning a cycle in Capricorn so that's one of the five points Mm -hmm. and so you can look at the smaller cycle of Venus which is about a every new you can think of like every new point right is about Mm -hmm. 18 to 19 months so that's where she begins a new cycle every 18 to 19 months but it takes um I believe is eight years for her to come back to the same Mm -hmm. point so that's where we're, we're beginning a new cycle this weekend. She hasn't been in Capricorn starting a new cycle um, in eight years. And she won't be starting a new cycle altogether in the next 18 to 19 months. So, and I always think, I mean, Venus for sure is about the things we value. Uh-huh. She's about know she loves to the energy of venus is loving to make things beautiful like to making our home a a place that we love to be and i love this conversation because it doesn't mean we need to go and buy new things to make that happen and i think when you feel into the energy of things it's you know maybe it is connecting with friends or family or you know i have things from all different people when i moved into this apartment it was really amazing to see like, oh, I have this little, cause I have a, you know, a smaller size apartment. I have this little table and then mm-hmm. me and my mom were like staining and painting it mm-hmm. you know, that came from yeah. a And then, and yes. And so then I have all of the pieces. So when I think about, as you were saying that I was like, oh, the energy, like I have the energy from this piece that I was gifted And my mom and I worked on it together. So there's that. Mm-hmm. And there's all these different pieces. And so Venus to me, Mm-hmm. is about the things we value she is about making things beautiful and I think there's a creativity in like as you were talking about all of this of like being a little creative and how you think about things like that question of like I need something okay but maybe I can think about getting it in a different way right and it, it takes it takes a moment it takes a moment of like you know maybe it's not as fast as like clicking a button and getting it the next day right But when you know the impact, and I think that's why this conversation is so beautiful of like, I don't think many people know, right? Right. I think that part of the problem is, like you said, we're so disconnected from it anyway, and that there's such an ease in just hitting a button and getting it. Right. I think people genuinely don't know, right? Right. And once we do know, right, that is like, okay, well, it's worth then taking that moment and Mm -hmm. taking those, you know, that extra time Right. Slowing down, right? right. Into the thing, because I could have gone out and bought, you know, new furniture. I could have sure. just, you know, furnished it with all new things. And yeah. yeah, it took me a moment to go pick up the thing to paint mm-hmm. it with my mom. Mm-hmm. But when I feel into the energy of it, like to have a new like piece for my key or something, that's just right. like, you know, yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. like what is what is that? Like maybe it would have been faster, mm-hmm. but. Mm-hmm knowing the impact of it too, knowing the impact of, um, like we we were talking about it, which I don't think many people know. I didn't know that, you know, really thinking about the, when you buy new things has a huge impact, you know, on the ecosystem, all of these pieces that to me, I think Venus would be thrilled. Yes. (laughs) Right. Well, I'm sure the the thing can actually have more value, right? The thing you love can have more value because of the energy that you put into it because right. of the connections, because of the, who you right. got it from, what story. Right, right. That's, yeah,
2: yeah, the provenance, story. provenance. And it is the story that matters, right? Yeah. Um, and that is, I think that is why, I mean, if you've ever had a really bad breakup and felt like you needed to shove all of the stuff out of the house as a result, or, right? Or just get rid of a bunch of stuff, think about that. It's that attachment whether it's good, bad or neutral, it's there, right? Mm-hmm. And so to the extent that you can surround yourself with things that are um that that I mean to use a Marie Kondo phrase, that spark joy, right? I mean like to the but but to recognize that that's not about throwing everything in a garbage bag and chucking it out the window, but it is about saying, "Hey, is this something that I that, you know, creates a sense of of Lightness and ease and appreciation, right? affinity. Um, and um, I mean that's why if you think about antiques, provenance is the thing that makes them use, that makes them valuable. Being able to tell a story about either how strange it is that you got here or who owned it way back when, like there's no provenance in IKEA or anything else that's new, right? I mean, like, and if you're gonna take on like 95% of the full like environmental impact of the thing just by clicking buy, that's a that's a ugh. Like that just feels icky, right? And if we wanna feel good about our stuff, you know, treating it well and treating others well through it are some really nice healing, dream oriented forward moving ways to approach um, the
1: things in our lives. So yeah. And I found that the older things are better quality. Like they just uh-huh. don't make things houses, thing like all right. furniture. Right. And so you can repurpose. Like there's some furniture I have that is very old that has been passed down, right? Mm-hmm. From mm-hmm. like generations. And yep. it's like it's steady, good, like strong. Right. And I've had things that I have bought new that just didn't make it. Just like right. quality, like just hasn't made it. Oh, and yeah. so that speaks, I think too, to some of the, yes, like they can produce things very quickly now and like, you know, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. with an impact. Yeah, exactly. The quality isn't there. Like the quality and the like, um, the craftsmanship of the, you know, the older things isn't there. And so I think that's something too, to like really come back around to. And I like, I have a particular, you know, um style but I've found that I can repurpose things too and and stain and paint and make them fit right and that just in itself it takes on a whole new now it's mine because it's fit to like my style but it's still the quality and it's still like this repurposed you know piece so I think that's another piece that's just coming to that like the quality has diminished over time and so uh, 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 out. Out. <laughs> right. Exactly. Are you, have you, um, are you familiar with
2: some of the, what led to that? Because that was a, that was a, an actual. Okay. So I want to say it was the appliance industry back in the 1960s, they came up with a really good marketing idea, which is, Hey, if it lasts just longer than the warranty, we can sell more. Okay. And it wasn't, just, it wasn't just appliances, you know, there are anecdotes about how car companies started painting things in different colors for new model years to try and get people to buy more too, right, if you think of that. But we are living in a time where that concept is on steroids. Like it has, it's been, you know, 60 years, 60, maybe more than that, but, but, but really concentrated effort of drive down cost, right? Drive down manufacturing costs, And also make it so that people like, so it doesn't last that long. Right. And we know this, like we we actually have like federal legislation being like people trying to get federal legislation just to allow people to repair their things, right. To repair legislation, like because companies make it so difficult to do these Mm -hmm. things. Right. And so um, if you think about some of the marketing messages that come our way too, I think um, that are telling us that we're not enough unless we, buy this thing or look this way or wear this whatever, right? Think about that. We are, you know, I think some of us were using the, we were talking about how we were in a rela- uh, an abusive relationship with our former president, but we're also in an abusive relationship with mass marketing, mass culture, consumer mm-hmm. culture, right? We are all consumers. We consume things, we eat things, We right? Like that's part of our world. But what we consume, the health of what we consume, the content, the the impact, and what that does to us and what that does to us as a collective, all like being more selective about what we choose to think, right, Mm -hmm. is kind of like choosing to eat organically, choosing to, right, Um, and we can't even get into a conversation about how a lot of this is a privilege. Okay, I'm not even going to like go that way, but like. Suffice to say that if you are making, you know, $11 an hour and working three jobs to put your kids, you know, to sleep at night and have a roof over your head, your ability to think about these things is so far removed yes. that um, I, I, universal basic income for me is one of those things where I think we need to go there um, in order to allow people the wiggle room, right? Um, but recognizing the 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 relationship that we are in with the system as humans is a really important and good way of saying hey you know what i don't like this relationship very much i'm gonna act a little differently right um and the other piece that i just want to make sure that we come to because about taking responsibility alexis you talked about how taking full responsibility right um one of the things that I like it's kind of a newer idea, but it's making sense to me as I think this through. Um, we talked about footprints earlier and trying to wrap our heads around what an appropriate footprint is, right? Historically, so much of this is oh, it's people that aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing. Companies are making, you know, hundred companies are making all the emissions. It's, it's it, there's this blame thing, right? That's going on that just doesn't make any sense. I don't think, or at least it certainly doesn't solve the problem. Um, so, to reframe ourselves as participants within those companies, because mm-hmm. companies are made up of people, right? So, if we were to say, hey, I want to understand what my impact is, but my job is fully, you know, it's a third of what I do every day. I am going to take my portion of responsibility for my job, my workplace emissions, right? And I'm going to build that into my footprint because if I don't do it, who will? Right, who else is going to be responsible for that? If I make that part of my job, all of a sudden this all starts to make a lot more sense. Right, it's going to create some pretty radical shifts in how you view your work, probably. Right, especially if you work at a mass manufacturer, right, big retail, those sorts of things. Right, but if your company has um, um, CSR goals, corporate social responsibility goals. So, and I don't know that you guys are doing this and I, I'm long removed from corporate life, but I know, I'm imagining that people listen to you work for some of these companies. If they have CSR goals and have posted what their emissions are, take that number and divide it by the number of employees and add that number to your footprint. And if that is something that, if that's a number that you're not comfortable with, take responsibility for figuring out what that looks like. Are you going to, You know be a champion within your organization to say hey this involves all of us we need to shift this or are you going to say you know what i don't think they're on track to make the shifts that they need to make and i'm going to find a better job that aligns with my values right funny thing is is that when you make a shift like that that allows you to say hey what is that job that aligns with my values look like is it within walking distance if I were to get this other job that does align, would I want to move? How could I get there without driving a car every day, right? It mm-hmm. creates an opportunity to align new lives and new dreams and what good looks like with the world that we all need.
0: Beautiful. I love that. The, uh, the opportunity seems to be a big a big theme here, right? Is that we have, yeah. we have so much opportunity and mm-hmm. plugging into that, that everything is energy and matter. Correct. And how interconnected it all is. And I know it was something that Alexis and I definitely spoke a lot about in 2020, even in private conversations, um, the, the claiming of our personal sovereignty, of our personal responsibility, because we need to mature past individually and collectively, the the finger pointing and the blame game. Mm -hmm. because we've somehow forgotten that when we point a finger at someone else, there's all of these fingers pointing Mm -hmm. back at us Mm -hmm. and claiming that sovereignty and moving into that that level of maturity is just, it feels so foundational to Mm -hmm. me around making this shift and, you know, plugging Plugging Venus back into this. She's in Capricorn. She wants us building on our values. Uh Capricorn is the builder. He wants Capricorn is like, let's build some great shit here. (laughs) And and Venus is like, well, let's only do it if it's aligned with our values. So we're we're, Venus is retrograde right now. So really digging into what are your personal values? Do you value nature? Do you have a relationship with the earth? Do you want to keep that relationship? Maybe. I, yeah, maybe. Just maybe. Could be fun.
2: Right. I, well, yeah. I, well, I think there's, can I just plug something in on the earth piece of oh, it? Totally. Um, because all of this talk about saving the planet kind of cracks me up. Planet's going to be fine. Mm-hmm. If we If we do what we do to oblivion, the planet's going to be fine it will still be there it will continue to spin we may not be on it right because we weren't capable of managing that responsibility right and i'd like to see us figure it out but that's our job is to figure it out and to solve it so that that we are not parasitic mm-hmm. so we right that like yeah. because we right now are a cancer on on this globe how do how do we shift that right? How do we, how do we stop taking more than we're giving, right? Balance. So anyway,
0: back to, back to the earth. I love, I, I love it. I was just, I, I had listened to Dr. Zach Bush recently, um, cause he's my science crush at, at present. Um, <laughs> and he was, he, his career started as a cancer research researcher and he looked and, and cancer, is an uncontrolled growth just trying to save its own life it thinks it's the only thing that's alive and the only thing that's mat- that matters is itself and it's doing what life is programmed to do it's just trying to sustain life without recognizing it's a part of a bigger system and in trying to just sustain itself humans um it's killing the rest it's killing the system which is actually going to lead to its own demise. And working with the the theory of Gaia as a macro organism, I was like, oh, well, right here, we have like this beautifully painted verbal picture of what a cancer is in a human body. And when we apply that to the macro, uh, well, if we're just fighting for the survival of humanity we're the cancer we're doing exactly what cancer cells do in a human body because it has disregarded the macro organism that it exists within and rant beautiful rant, and shorter than i think every single one that i've had this morning so
2: <laughs> thank you for no it's, it's beautiful and it's and it's also something that we can all wrap our heads around right um, and we can also ask ourselves, you know, I think that's a worthy question too. so uh, how, are, how are we interacting with our systems individually mm-hmm. back to the responsibility? Yeah. Is that how we want to interact with our systems, right? Are we, are we a threat or are we an
1: opportunity, right? Are we creating possibility? Mm-hmm. And I think it starts with that awareness. So I would say, like, the um, carbon footprint calculator is a great place to start because it really gets, you know, it really paints a picture for yourself. So, yeah. you know, doing that, building the awareness, and then also, like, getting creative. And then we also, you know, speaking about the planet and what we're doing to the planet, we're also putting debris out in space, which, like, blows mm-hmm. my mind. Um, like, not good. Nope. <laughs> not no, no, nope. have you guys seen us here, right? right? Like we're also putting it out into space. Yep. Um, but I think the awareness piece like is really important um, because yes, it's it is like the bigger corporations and the, you know, the things that have more money, like, you know, the things that are going out and going on these expeditions in space. Well, then what do they do? They just leave it out there because that's, you know, the best way to deal with it so it's like yes me as a person I'm not personally putting debris out in space but it starts with you can at least start with yourself you can at least start with like looking at that and you know I think the numbers really can be impactful when you you know like when you shared you know how it was for you that's a big that's a big uh-huh. shift and think about if even just if our listeners even just if like everyone who's listening to this podcast did that that's a huge shift. Right. And so I think that's one of the things I know it can get overwhelming. Um, I know it can se- seem like, oh my gosh, like what can one little me do? Um, but you can actually do a lot. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I think that's the thing. Like if everybody thought that way. Right. And What's like happening? people who work within these corporations, right. Like we're, it's all humans. Cause that's the other thing that I love to say. It's like, we say corporations, but it's like, Well, it's huge, like there's people in it, right? It might be a lot of them, or it might be like, you know, what that looks like, but like we're all part of it, right? And so I think like a very tangible piece to bring it down is like, okay, looking at yourself, looking at what shifts that you can make. And I think the awareness is like number one, because if you don't know, you can't really shift it. And then I love that we're having this conversation around Venus retrograde because it it pulls like perfectly into all of the, um, the value that we place in material things and how we interact with things in our life, how we gift, how we, you know, all of these pieces. Um, So I think, yeah, that's kind of how it starts is like the awareness, which I love this conversation. And then also for everyone to just shift something, even if it's just like Mm -hmm. the way you think about, you know, Um, gift giving or the way that you um, you know just go to purchase that next thing on Amazon (laughs) make it a
2: game make it fun yeah right hey you know what I actually do need that thing I wonder if I can find it secondhand and right so even like eBay there's a condition box that you can click used and constrain your search by used and see if it's out there Mm -hmm. a lot of times it is and as long as it's slow shipping, and you can, you can ask your, the vendor to send it via ground shipping, you can use that as an educational opportunity with the vendor, right? You mm-hmm. can create demand for something that they may not be offering by default. Um, it, but it could come from anywhere in the United States. As long as it's secondhand and stays on the ground, it's a better choice than running over to Target or mm-hmm. ordering it from anywhere else new, right? So, yeah. That's a really easy rule of thumb so
0: beautiful. Mm-hmm. Any last pieces women I mean yes but let's <laughs> we here all day.
2: So thank you guys this has been s- s- thank you for humoring me and for the opportunity to connect with your audience and share um, share what I'm working on. Um, this is a building time. that's obvious the energy is so clear. Um, and so it's, it's just fun to, you know, as, as my question about Venus made clear, I'm, I'm not tuned in to astrology and I am not an expert in any way on that. Um, but to see where we have alignment, um, has been really powerful, right. And, um, psychological growth becoming, you know, wiser humans individually and leveling up is something that There's a there's a common theme there for all of us.
0: Beautiful. Thank you so much for being with us today, Julie. Thank you, my pleasure. Thank you, you guys. It's great. This is Amy, and I just want to thank you for joining us today on our meanderings and our wonderings.
1: If you're enjoying our podcast, leave us five stars. We would love that. And if you'd like to reach out to either of us, both of our websites are listed in the show notes. So enjoy and until next time.